0: Now since August in the book of Ephesians, we switched it from Sunday morning to Wednesday night last week. And so we're here in chapter number four and iPads. Let's see if I can get where I want to be. Here we go. I still have the teen message up. That's not the message for tonight. It's the nice thing. It was about probably a year ago. I lost my notes right before the service, and I'm like, I'm done with paper, I'm going to my iPad have not lost a sermon yet. And I had the teen sermon from a little bit ago. And some of the teens, you might see their towels. Those are meant as an example from the message was that they'd be people of the towel. Like how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It's a servant idea. And so they're going around smacking each other with them, wiping their sweat. They didn't quite get the idea of my example there, but it was a good idea for the second and that failed pretty quickly. And so... But maybe I'll teach some of them to go home and take a bath or a shower. So if it helps in that area with some of them, I'm all for that. And so, yeah, amen right there, Felix. And so it's also good to have the Jobway family with us. And they are from Georgia. And you are, where are you going to? Germany. And so why don't you introduce yourself and your wife. And... uh, Amen. So how, how far along are you in support and everything? 75%. Amen. In Germany. And so you, this guy over here with the beard, he lived in Germany for a little bit. He knows some German and things. But we're glad you're here. Thank you for serving the Lord. And I have the utmost respect for missionaries and what they go through on deputation. Because church after church after church, wouldn't it be so neat if all the churches could just join together and just send you there right away? And how long have you been on deputation? So a little, you're, that's great, that's great to be moving so quick, that's great, and we're glad you're here tonight, didn't know you were going to be here, but always great to have missionaries stop in, and they're at my home church, I guess they're having their mission conference this weekend, and so you're here tonight, it's good to have you, glad you're here. And then, did you have a friend come with you, from, or someone from, no one? In the back, is this your first time tonight? I'm not trying to embarrass you or anything, I'm Pastor Brian, I think you can tell him the pastor and things, but um, can we get your name? Edward, we're glad you're here tonight. Do you live in the area? Live around here? Alright, good. We're glad you're here. Let's welcome all of our guests to our service tonight. We're glad that you're here tonight. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, does anyone need a copy of the outline tonight? And so, we've got to get this thing figured out. Sunday morning, I have ushers in one service for sure. So some of you men in the room, if you could be an usher for me, talk to me and let's get that figured out because it should not be that we have a service without ushers. You, you have a service with a preacher every single service. And if we don't have ushers, ushers do so many little things, so we got to we got to fix that. And we need to fix that sooner than later because it's not just not right. So we need to have it have it fixed and right. And that's me being nice about. It. So if some of you men could step up. I saw for a man, and we need to find some in that area, and so that would be good. All right. All right, and follow along there in your notes if you want to. Ephesians chapter number four, look at verse number one. Last week we were in verse number one, and then we're going to be tonight in verse number. We're going to be one through six tonight. The Bible says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love." Now, something you got to realize as we go through here tonight, as we look at these verses, verse number one, we see the fact that. Paul has told us, and we've studied the first three chapters already. We've seen the rich, vast, unmeasurable, all the riches of Christ and what he's given to us. And all that we have, not because we're anything special, but because God loved us and because God saved us. And we are saved and praise God for that. But everything that we have, all the blessings being accepted, everything else comes through Jesus Christ. It was nothing. We earn nothing. It was all by grace, through faith, as we read in chapter number two. So Paul starts out here and he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. That word vocation, it refers to a calling. We talked about this last week, but in review, a calling or a career, it refers to a person's um, life's work. And when we receive from God, to when we get saved, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we get saved, I want you to understand something. It was not something that was just opposed to, oh, it happened and that's just the end of it. It's, call, it's something that changes us. We become new creatures. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And we are called to live differently than the way this world lives. And the Bible says here to walk worthy of the vocation, wherewith you're called. The word worthy here means to balance the scales. And we are to live our lives to prove that we belong to God. And what did Jesus say? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another, right? And so we see these verses here. How do you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called? We're going to read about in verse number two. This is how you do it. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Father, bless the next few minutes tonight as we're here. We need your help, and I pray that as we look at this tonight, as we study these scriptures tonight, that you'd be with us and help us tonight. Help us get what you have for us here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One of the clearest ways... That a church can show and bring glory to God and show this world that we truly belong to God is what we're going to look at tonight. You see, in verse number three, and then again in verse number 13, you see two words that are mentioned, endeavoring to keep the unity. And then look at verse number 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. The word unity means agreement it simply means that we walk together as one in the lord and that is god's goal for the church the book of ephesians and what we've studied so far as we dive through the scriptures about god's grace and revealing itself in salvation and as part of that we have this idea of unity that's how the godhead works the trinity think about it as we've read through here in ephesians you think about this truth god's grace unites the trinity in bringing us to god say how's that so we'll go back to chapter one here in ephesians and look at verse number four it says according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love the father god the father chose us unto salvation and that doesn't mean that he chooses who he wants to and no one else can get saved we're elect according to the foreknowledge of god So God knows all of these things and the Father chose us unto salvation. Look at verse number seven of chapter number one. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So the Father, He chose us unto salvation. The Son redeems us with His own blood on the cross. And then look at verse number 13. In whom also ye trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after you have believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And the Holy Spirit of God seals us for all eternity. Do you see how the Godhead works there? They work together. And I want you to understand something. You look at chapter number 2. God's design is as God worked together. God's design for his body is that his body would do the same exact same thing. Look at chapter number 2, verse number 11. Says wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who has made both one. Do you see that there? And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And God's grace united the Jews and Gentiles into one body, the church. And then, if we were read the rest of the chapter here, you see that God's grace and salvation... Rec- um, it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's right there in the passage right there. It reconciles us and unites us to Him. Now, the Bible's clear in the New Testament. There's a lot said about unity and the importance of it. I want to show you some verses, Philippians 1.27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast. look what it says, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 10. The Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, and that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Do you see that there? Now look at Romans 12, 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Philippians 2, verse 1-4. through If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any vows of mer- mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brother, and farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Look what it says. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. If the Lord is interested in the unity of the local body of the church, let me just tell you something tonight, then we ought to be concerned about it as well. Verse number three, and people are dropping things a lot tonight. And uh, let's, all, let's all grab our stuff. And it wasn't even rust tonight. And so, and uh, I think it'll come in a little bit. And so, anyways, see, we're, we're in one accord. If one person drops it here, someone's going to drop it back there and drop it all over the place here tonight. But we look back at our text in verse number three here of Ephesians chapter number four. Look what it says here is endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We are called to keep or maintain the unity of the church. I want to spend some time tonight on these verses and probably here in Ephesians chapter number 4, verses 2 through 6, 1 through 6, we're probably going to be here for like three or four weeks. That's how long it's going to take to get through these verses. But there's a lot of powerful things I want you to see And what I want you to understand something is, as a church, we're not always unified. We're not always on the same page. We're not always pulling together for the glory of God. And too often what happens is we have our own agendas and our own things competing against what is best for the church and what brings glory to God. And this text here is a plea from Paul after all that we have under inspiration of God, of course, That after all we've been given in Christ, that we do our best to keep unity in the church. I want to challenge you tonight. I want to see some things about maintaining the unity of the church. As we look at this plea tonight, I want to start out number one. We see the words of this plea. Paul says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace several words through here and sometimes as we look at scripture and let me just give you a little hint too i have people tell me a lot of times pastor i read the bible and as i read through it i just don't understand everything that i'm reading and that's a dictionary is a great tool and uh i for for the king james bible a webster's 18th and 1812 18 1828 1828 dictionary 1828 right why's my mind blanking tonight it's 1828 you want to use Don't use a modern dictionary today because you're going to look at a meaning of a word and you're not going to have a clue what it's not going to line up. So using the King James Bible, use the Webster's 1828. If you want to not have to have a paper version of that, on my computer, on my iPad, I have eSword. It's a free Bible program. I believe though on an iPad I had to pay $2 for it. And wow, that's cheaper than a cup of coffee at Starbucks, okay? it cost me two dollars for the program and on there it has the strongest concordance and things and the definitions are right there and you can see what these words mean and it does you no good to read and not to know what the things mean take a little bit of time and that's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God sometimes we get so busy and I'm all for I'm reading through the I read through the Bible every year it's one of my goals to read through the Bible every year I do it every year but I do lots of different things but if you struggle reading through in a year slow down and just take it slower. I think quality is better than quantity. That's a good way to look at it right there. Quality is better than quantity, and it's nice to and it's great to read through. I've done it once. I read through the Bible in one month. I did it one time, and it was a great experience. I had a ton of reading through the day, but really, at the end of the day, I did not get a whole lot through it. And I read through the Bible in a year. and honestly, reading through it in a year, I don't get it like I do when I take time and break it down. The book of Ephesians, for an example. The book of Ephesians, a long time ago, Brother Rick, he he convicted me about something. We were talking about something. And he said that when he was, when he first was administering different things, that he would go through and he took, from from Greek, he translated different books of the Bible and would do that. So one of the things I did, the book of Ephesians, long before I've ever started working on a series here, I went through every single word in the book of Ephesians. And then now I'm working on I mentioned to, to a few people that I'm going to, the next step is I'm gonna, my goal is to memorize the whole book of Ephesians. And we have our kids memorize all the time but then I thought, it was a convicting thought I had a few days ago. I mean, at the Christian school, my kids were quoting Scripture the other day. And when I was a kid, I quoted Scripture all the time. I can still quote a lot of the verses I knew. But When's the last time I spent time memorizing scripture? And just as important as it was for a six-year-old boy, Brian, to memorize scripture, it's probably even more important now for a 34-year-old Brian to memorize scripture. And so, my goal—I'm starting soon, starting this next week, this year—my goal is to memorize the whole book of Ephesians. The pastor, that's a big goal. You got to get—you got to get a little deeper into the things of God, and nothing better than studying it out learning all the different words as well as doing these different things and I don't know how I got off on all of this but the word endeavoring anyways this word means hasty or zealous and what it's suggesting here is that we allow nothing to hinder us from speedily striving to secure the unity of the church it speaks of a holy zeal that demands constant attention so endeavoring means hasty or zealous the word keep it means to guard. Do you realize it does not mean create? Create has nothing to do with it. We cannot manufacture unity within the church. We cannot fake unity. We can only protect and guard the unity we already have. You know something about the early church, and you read the book of Acts, and I've studied the book of Acts, and that's one of the books I read it every day. I read through. I read Proverbs every day, Psalms every day, and Acts every day. Those are the three I read every day besides whatever reading else I'm doing, and besides working on sermons and all that stuff. But the church, do you know when the church did the best for the Lord? When they were all on the same page in one accord. And do you know what the Bible says? And you can see, I believe it's chapter 13, chapter 2, found several different places. They had rest among the churches. And the word of God prevailed. Because they were all of the same mind, in one accord, doing the work of God, and God blesses it when His children and when His church is together and unified together. The word endeavoring, the word keep, Paul calls it, he says here, the unity of the Spirit. And that phrase reminds us the unity, where does it come from? The common ground that we have. What is the common ground that we have? The common ground that we have is produced within us by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us, and also as we see here, we are to maintain this unity with the bond of peace. And the word bond refers to a band or that which binds together. And peace speaks of tranquility, harmony, concord. So think about this this way. The belt that binds the church together, or the rubber band that keeps things together in unity, is peace. When we are at peace with one another, we keep the unity of the spirit they go hand in hand we see number one tonight we see the word of this plea number two we see the witness of this plea the church has no greater testimony than when we're united in jesus christ in spite of our differences by the same rule i want you to understand something there is no greater slander against the cause of christ than a church family Or members to be at odds with one another. Listen to what Jesus had to say about the matter. John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know they are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. John seventeen eleven, the Bible says, And now and this was Jesus in his prayer, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. That they may be one as we are. Same passage, John 17, down in verse number twenty. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Do you realize something that Jesus, when he prayed before he went to the cross, see that there? I don't pray for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word. He prayed for you. Prayed for me right before he went to the cross. You were included in that prayer. What was his prayer? That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Go back for a second to verse 21. You see, how are they going to believe, how is the world going to believe that God sent Jesus when we're unified and as one? You see that there? That's what Jesus said, verse twenty-two. And the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them. Look at this: that they may be one, even as we are. How would it have been if the Godhead was divided? Think about that one for a minute. It wouldn't have worked out very well. And I know sometimes you, the Godhead, you start thinking about that real far. Well, Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit's God. They're all God, but they're all separate parts and they're all united and they're all in all of this and you try and wrap your mind around it. Don't worry, it's God. You're never going to fully understand God. So don't try to fully understand Him. Just sit back and go, wow. I, um, just the other, I was covering your class yesterday and I don't know why I didn't know. I, I'm one of those, I don't notice things right away. You probably noticed that, okay? I, I just don't notice everything right away. I was sitting at his desk there for a minute and up on the wall was a picture that we had at Vacation Bible School a year or two ago. And it had God, and it had, had God in the middle. And you had the Father up here, the Son here, and the Holy Spirit here. And God here says, He is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son, and the Son, and, but then they all work to enter in green, and it's all one at the same time. And I'm sitting there, my mind's just blown away, and I'm just sitting there thinking, and I, kids had their hands up needing help with something, but I was just lost in it all. I was like, wow, man. And you really just stopped to think how awesome God is and all that. But the Bible says here that they may be one even as we are. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect and one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me, verse number twenty that was the last one there but do you see the fact that the world will know that jesus truly is god by the way his people are united together and there's so much lack of unity in our churches today so much fighting so many church splits that take place and you want to tell me that this world's going to look at the church and be like Oh they that's true Christian that they God's real No because that's what they do. That's what this world does. Look at Congress right now. Most churches don't operate any better than Congress does. And that's sad. But we are not the members of Congress. We are children of the King of Kings. And he changed our lives and came in and did something so powerful in us. And the way that people know that is by how we're unified together and how important that is. You see, as we think about this, we are a diverse bunch of people. We are different one from another in so many different ways. There are physical differences. Not a lot of you have as much muscle as I have. There's intellectual differences. You might not have the brain that I might have. There's economic differences. There's so many different things, so many spiritual differences, all competing against the unity that we're supposed to strive for in the church. Yet with all of our differences, and every person in this room, not one person is the same. We all have differences. We do have common ground. What's the common ground for all of us? 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Bible tells us in Romans 8, verse number 9, but now you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so, be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You see what the common ground is? It's the Spirit of God. When we are at war with one another, we lose our testimony for God. When we walk out of unity, we're telling them that there's no difference between us and them, and how they act. And down through the ages, mankind has signed treaties, there have been wars, there's been agreements, conferences held, um, signed accords, all these different things to bring peace. But every single treaty signed by man since the dawn of recorded time has failed. Why? Isaiah forty eight twenty two. The Bible tells us, There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. The Bible says the world cannot find peace. You know why? They don't have the common ground for peace. And that common ground is the Holy Spirit of God. We are to be different, the Spirit of God dwells in every believer to guide us into all truth. And as this happens, He should cause us and we should be yielding ourselves to the Spirit so that He can lead us and guide us. And so the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, all these different things will help produce peace in the church. When we walk in peace, we've been given through the Spirit. We magnify the Lord. And everyone around knows the Lord is doing something in that place because it's not natural for men to get along number one we see the words of this plea number two we see the witness of this plea number three we see the wisdom in this plea we see the wisdom in this plea walking in unity doesn't mean that we always have the same ideas about the same issues guess what We all have different opinions. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands right now, okay? Don't do this, just keep keep it to yourself right here, okay? How many of you don't like gray chairs? Don't say anything, just... Please don't say anything right now. Just think to yourself. How many of you don't like chairs compared to pews? Don't say anything, just think right now. Just think to yourself right now, we're not... How many of you like the old paint color than the paint color now? Who liked last year's theme better than this year's theme? Who liked the decorations at Christmas two years ago better than the Christmas decorations this year? We all have opinions. And we're not all going to agree on everything. I remember when we voted on it, we'll never do it again. We vote on the outside paint colored church. That was the dumbest thing this pastor's ever done in nine years of pastoring was give everyone A, B, C, and D. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And I learned my lesson. Dumbest thing I've ever done as a pastor. Well, there's some other things, but we won't talk about those tonight. I don't want to incriminate myself too much. But um, that was one of the dumbest things I've done. Because I'll tell you this. We had guests that night and they never came back to church say why How's, why are they going to think God's in a place where we're divided it's a very dumb idea on my part the way it was done it did not represent Jesus Christ very well we all have difference of opinions there's diversities of thoughts you might see you know a WANA program Thursday nights this is the way it should be done and then Marquise doesn't do it the way you think it should be done or your kids are in school, and you're like, if I was running that school, I would do it this way. Then come run it, please, please. You can do it. And we'll we all have different ideas. Say, well, I would do it this way, and so and so would do it this way, and so and would do it this way. That's a part of life. There needs to be diversity. And I'm not saying tonight, okay, keep all your, don't ever say a word, just be in uniform with everything that goes. No, God designed us to have opinions. And there are going to be thoughts, there are going to be some things that I could never think of that one of you will think of. You could go the opposite way of that. You're going to have an idea, and no, we don't all have this uniform that's not what I'm talking about here tonight. There needs to be diversity of thought, and that needs to be important. Everybody should be allowed to think and to be able to express certain things, but what I got, what you need to understand is, walking in unity doesn't mean that we'll always believe exactly the same thing about every little detail of every little thing. It doesn't mean that we lose our individualism when we're saved. But what unity does mean is that we're marked by a common purpose and led by a common Savior. It does mean that when the Lord gives us His clear direction, we put aside our personal opinions and walk together for the glory of God and for the good of the gospel. It does mean that the unity of the church is more important than me getting my way or you getting your way. It does mean that the unity of the church always comes ahead of my personal agenda. The unity is most important. It does mean that the unity of the church comes before my feelings. Nothing shows the world that we are different from them in our walk Any more than our being different in this specific area. When the church is at odds with one another, we can forget the gospel and reaching people for Jesus Christ. But when they see us walking in unity and manifesting humility, gentleness towards one another, patience with one another, and love loving tolerating our differences. It will do more than any major program could ever do. Our unity says we're real. They may reject our truth, but they'll not be able to deny the unity that's in this place. Where do you draw your line? And there there are lots of different... People have so many... Well, Pastor, where do you draw your line on unity and things? The major doctrines, there is no I will divide with someone over major doctrine. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you differ on that, that's not a little thing. That's the basis of my salvation. I will separate. I've had many a people sit me down and I'm a young pastor and well, I I used to get all the time, man, you're really young to pastor, you're really young to pastor. I hardly ever hear that anymore, that's all stopped. But you know what's funny is? When it was being done, I hated hearing it, I hated it. And then now it's like, I'd like someone to still say it every once in a while. You're a young pastor, you're too young to be a pastor. I would love to hear that. My wife doesn't even say that. I know you got. En- she said, you got enough gray hair on your head. and Real encouragement, real encouragement. I've had many a people sit me down and be like, this, you know, you Baptists are too narrow-minded. And there are a lot of Baptists that are too narrow-minded on certain things. But then there are those who go the opposite direction, and they're free on every little thing. There's got to be, what was Jesus? He was full of grace, and he was full of truth. What we have is, in our circles, you have those who are full of truth and no grace. We have those that are full of grace and no truth and no balance. Balance, that's what Jesus was, the perfectly balanced human being. Son of God. And there are things to divide over. I had a pastor here in town, he took me out to coffee one day. And he just and I was I only been pastoring a few months. And he he really did his best to shake me. It's like I know how you narrow minded Baptists are. So will you tell me how this narrow minded Baptist is? One thing if you know about Baptists, there are a lot of narrow-minded ones, but they all are narrow-minded about certain things, and they're all different. They all have their different quirks and things, and so he explained all of it to me. And he said that the churches of Chino get together once a month, and they pray together. And he said, you need to be there. He said, there's going to be guys there that pray to someone other than the God of heaven and to Jesus, but you should be big enough to deal with that and love them and pray with them anyways. And you know it's been nine years and I haven't gone once. I'm not praying to anyone but Jesus Christ. And if you wanna and if you have a different belief than that, that's fine. You go to your place, you do your thing, but I will separate on issues like that. But if it gets down to should you wear blue or green to church, I'm really not gonna you can have what what we do is we divide over preferences today, not doctrine. And let me just say, I've got some weird preferences in my life. I do. They're mine. You have weird preferences in your life too. You be you and your preferences, I'll be me. That doesn't stop the gospel. I can still love you even though you don't do things the way I think you should. Unity. A lot of people have a hard time with that. Someone said there was a, a bishop, an archbishop in the 17th century. I'm not going to even try to say how he said it in Latin. I'm going to say how, he, how it was translated. It said, in, this, in necessary things, unity. In uncertain things, liberty. In everything, charity. That little saying speaks volumes to us. There are some truths that must be defended and must be defended to death. And separation from people. There are doctrines within this book that the Bible is very clear about that we've got to stick to. And I, without apology, go with the book every single time. God's word is always right. But I'll also tell you this tonight there are some things that are open to interpretation. And if your interpretation, there are some churches that will take a stronger stand on something than I might. It's not my job to correct them in what they do. It's not their job to correct me in the way I do something. It's our job to work together for the cause of Christ. We are to give liberty to those in those areas and not judge them for their actions. And in everything we do, whether we stand together or whether we must separate over doctrine, every action must be motivated by the love of Christ. Every action. As a church, we've seen our, and you think about it, there are moments where we seem very unified together, and then there are moments where we don't seem so unified together. I want you to understand something. If we are going to reach this world for the Lord, if we are going to reach Chino, Chino Hills, all the surrounding areas around us with the gospel we need to be a unified church. My opinions aside, your opinions aside, and if there's and let me just say this as well. If you have a problem with some other member in the body, you need to handle that problem and deal with it. Shame on us, and I've heard over and over again, people in our church, well, I'll just avoid them. Brilliant brilliant. That really is going to help the cause of Christ. They're at that door, you're at that door and you just avoid each other. Or good thing we have two services. I'll go to one, they'll go to the other. Get it right. If you've offended a brother or sister in Christ, do your part to do it right and handle it. What does the Bible say Matthew 5:23 and 24 it says therefore if thou will bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother have ought against thee leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer offer thy gift need to get right if we've been offended by another we need to let it go and forgive those who've offended us Matthew eighteen, twenty one and 22, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times, Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Luke 17, verse 1 through 5, then said he unto his disciples, it is, impos- it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that, she have, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves: if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him; and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the Apostle, Son of the Lord, increase our faith. And the end of chapter number four, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And aren't you grateful that Jesus, Father, forgive them? They know not what they do. Tonto and Lone Ranger were riding through a canyon together when all of a sudden both sides were filled with Native American warriors on horses, dressed for battle. The Lone Ranger turned to Tonto and said, what are we going to do? And Tonto said, what do you mean we, white man? <laughs> That's the way some people think in church. But it ought not ever be that way. We're in this thing together. And all we have is the Lord and one another. There must be love there must be peace. There must be unity. And our job as believers is to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called and to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Father, we thank